Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac, Associate Advisor at Providence. Joined with me today is Cheng Chaisen, who is the head of our investment team at Providence. Hi Chaisen. Hi Isaac. Yep. So today's topic would be alternative investments. So it's a very interesting topic. And to begin with, let me just ask, what are alternative investments? Alternative investments are investments that are not your typical uh, public equity and uh, fixed income kind of investments. So they run the gamut of um, private equity, private credit, uh, infrastructure, real estate, and also uh, natural resources. So all these uh, comprise a very broad category of what is termed alternative investments. Right. Prior to working at Provident, you have had seven years of experience at some alternative investment funds. So what can you share about alternative investing from your own experience? Yeah, um, my experience yeah, prior to Provident uh, was at a hedge fund and also at a private credit fund that was uh, part of a larger private equity group. So uh, it was interesting. I think one of the parts of uh, alternative investing, or at least in the fund space where most people don't see so often, is uh, there's a lot of uh, structuring involved. So what that means is uh, you're not, uh, when, you, when you make an investment uh, in public equity or public credit, you, know, you, you run the analysis, get the numbers, you think about... Uh, what the returns might be, what the upside, downside, the risks are. And then uh, you can, you know, it's just buy, you know, or sell, right? The, the product is really there for you. But when you want to invest uh, in a company through a private route, um, you've got to think of, you know, all the other aspects around it, about uh, how you actually want to structure your investment into this company. Is it going to be uh, through equity? Is it going to be through uh, debt or a mix of both and also think about how you exit. So um, those are some of the, I guess, uh, more interesting parts about working um, in alternative investment funds. Right. So what do you think attracts investors when it comes to alternative investing? I think, of course, uh, one thing that attracts all investors is that uh, for the successful funds, the returns are much higher than the market. Uh, typically, uh, the successful um, investors will um, outperform the market. So that's definitely an attraction for investors. Another part is also the lower volatility around uh, some certain types of alternative investing, uh, be it um, real estate or be it um, private equity. You know, because these uh, assets are more illiquid and they're not um, exposed to the daily mark-to-market uh, in, in the public markets, they you know, have lower volatility and that can make it more attractive to some investors. And I think the last part about alternatives that makes it quite attractive to uh, bigger institutions especially is that 
they allow you to scale your investments because, um, for example, if you know if you are running a trillion dollar fund or hundreds of billions of dollars, it's very hard to invest everything into public markets because then you would have um, you would be taking up too big. <laughs> you know positions in certain companies you might there might not be enough uh, companies that you can invest in that makes it scalable or or sort of you know worth your while because you know if you invest say 10 million in a company when you're running a hundred over hundreds of billions of dollars that's not going to move the needle even if that 10 million doubles it's not going to move your needle at all on your performance so um, you know alternative investments uh, do provide us uh, opportunity for very large funds to invest at scale and so I think that also makes it quite attractive to certain types of investors right so let's focus a little more on private equity so since Provident has recently taken a look at this asset class what are the typical types of private equity um, there are different two different types of private equity two main types are um, LBO investing, uh, leverage buyout funds, or uh, venture capital funds. So these are the two main types of private equity. Um, the major differences between them are the scale, because uh, they both involve investing in uh, private companies. Uh, but one of them, uh, the leverage buyout, is typically much larger companies involving billions of dollars, uh, where um, a firm would be bought out by the private equity fund, by the leverage buyout fund, uh, and typically part of the financing is through uh, debt, which is why it's called a leverage buyout fund. There's a certain element of leverage. Um, for venture capital, the companies are much smaller. Uh, usually it is uh, startups, you know, can be series A or B, and so what that means is uh, these are the very early stage investors that uh, come in uh, before the company is even profitable usually. Therefore, uh, they, they can't go public because you, know, you have to show a certain amount of profitability for a few years before most exchanges let you go public. So these are investors taking a lot of risk to invest um, in the very early stages. But then uh, these companies are very small. So a venture capital side, your investment sizes into companies can be 5 million or less. Right, so let's uh, focus uh, a little more into traditional buyout funds. So you just gave a brief overview about uh, leverage buyout, but uh, can you give our listeners some more insights about you know, the process of, of buyout investing and what it entails? Yeah, so um, I think if you look at the financial news, you would see a lot of uh, companies being uh, bought and sold every day. And uh, leverage buyout funds are, pretty much part of this uh, process. So, you know, leverage buyout investing is, uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, first of all, the investors will take a look at potential companies that they can acquire, um, use their capital to um, fund the acquisition. But of course, uh, when they are uh, doing that acquisition process, they are also looking at structuring a certain amount of uh, debt and uh, working with uh, investment banks usually to uh, raise the debt 
which is also then sold on to other investors. And so they will fund part of the acquisition through that because they feel that the cash flow of this company is able to is strong enough that it can service the debt. And usually the target companies are companies that you know either have uh, strong brands but operationally have uh, fallen a bit on hard times or, or companies that maybe their capital structure is not as efficient. And, and so where uh, these leveraged buyout funds add value is that they both work with the management to uh, improve the capital structure of the, of the company, like maybe they optimize the financing, get better terms at the bank, etc. Or they also help to optimize the operations by bringing in their own management teams. Uh, they have many specialists, uh, that, a specialist network of many different industry experts that they can bring in to help run the companies and then make these companies more efficient, more profitable. And then, of course, their eventual goal is to uh, exit and to sell the company uh, either as a whole to uh, somebody uh, else or they would um, list the company and then sell the shares on the public market and then slowly exit their, their controlling stake over time. Right, so in a way, they are... Um something like buying a fixed upper, they fix it up and then they sell it for a higher price. Can I yeah, that, that's one way to think of it. Yeah, that's one way to think of it. But of course, in a very a more sophisticated manner. Right, for sure. Yeah. yeah, so how does the fees for private equity funds differ from a typical equity fund then? I, I suppose it would be higher? Yeah, a typical equity fund, uh, you know, will charge you depending on what kind of equity fund if it's uh index fund, it might charge you anywhere from 10 to 30 basis points. Uh, if it's a normal uh, public active managed fund, you know, the fees range from 1% to 1.5%. Uh, yeah, most alternative funds and of course uh, LBO funds included, management fees go from 1% to 2%. And then of course, there's a performance fee, which is usually around 20%. So, um, that does mean that uh, the fees for investing in alternatives are typically higher than your uh, public equity fund. Right. So they will have to outperform you know, a lot more than, than equity funds to, to give outsized return like you mentioned earlier in the podcast that uh, would really attract investors. Uh, yes, they would have the big outperformance. Right. Can you share Providence view then on private equity using the lens of our investment philosophy? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. We, we looked at it recently, uh, looked at the asset class uh, through our investment philosophy. And uh, just to refresh our listeners, uh, Providence investment philosophy has got four pillars. Uh, first one is uh, economic uh, theory or rationale, and which uh, basically means that um, any... Uh, asset class we invest in, uh, there must be some kind of uh, economic basis for their return. For example, um, if you buy shares in a business, why is there a return? Uh, that is because you, you know, own part of a business. When the business makes profits, those profits, part of it accrues to you as the shareholder. Uh, then uh, the next one is empirical evidence. And basically what it means is that you must see some evidence that you know, the fund or the asset class is doing what it's supposed to do, i.e. give you good returns over time. Uh, then there's implementation, which is where um, 
we are focused on uh, yes, fees, uh, accessibility, where we can uh, uh, add value to our clients uh, by ensuring that we either help them get a most cost-effective solution or we can help them implement it in a way that's convenient. And lastly, uh, practical considerations, which is basically um, understanding that every client is has different circumstances, is different, different wants and needs. And so the suitability of the investment for that client must also be there. I mean, because uh, it can be a great investment, gives you very high returns, but it can be extremely volatile. But if the client cannot take that volatility, then you know, that's not going to be the investment for that client. So, so how that's, many checkbox does uh, PE funds take in that case? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I'm just about to get to that. So we looked at it through those lenses. Uh, so first of all, from uh, economic uh, rationale, well, definitely there should be a return from uh, investing in uh, private equity because basically they're buying over companies, especially in the case of LBO. So you, you become 100% shareholder essentially of this company. And so uh, whatever profits that... Uh, finally flow down to you, I mean, that, that's your return. So there's definitely some kind of return for, uh, uh, on an economic basis for private equity. And there's also the fact that these are illiquid and so you would expect that you would get a slightly higher return because um, there should be a bit of a premium for uh, illiquid uh, investments because, you know, if, if you can buy a liquid investment and an illiquid one, you have a choice of two, and they both give you the same return, you're definitely just going to buy the liquid one because if you need the money, you can at least get it out um, more easily than the illiquid one. So to convince a rational investor to buy an illiquid investment, you definitely need to have a higher return. So, so uh, you know, from an economic rational standpoint, we definitely see that uh, private equity, uh, def there should be some kind of expected return. Uh, for and then of course we looked at uh, the empirical evidence and of course private equity does have a certain track record. Uh, of course the data can be uh, hard to find, uh, but we did look at a few studies and while okay it's inconclusive that overall every private equity fund is going to deliver very good returns, uh, but we we do see that uh, private equity firms with a long track record that have successfully run funds before. Uh, those funds, the, the, the subsequent funds that they run, uh, typically do better, do better than the market. So uh, there is this element of you know, transferring the expertise, the networks that they have built up uh, to continuously uh, generate better returns for their subsequent funds. So, uh, you know, but overall, um, you know, as an asset class, it, can be a bit inconclusive because uh, there are some studies also that show if you were to take um, just small cap, uh, small mid cap kind of fund and uh, lever, up, lever it up the same way, you might get similar returns. So it could be the effect of leverage that just bring a lot of those returns. Uh, I think where we found um, it a bit more uh, challenging, uh, you know, was uh, implementation. Because, of course, as you mentioned earlier, the fees are a lot higher than your typical fund. And I think uh, the 
more challenging part is getting access to those uh, good funds because uh, at our, sort of our scale, uh, the, the, Provid the typical client at Provident, uh, you would need to have very high net worth to invest into some of these uh, better, larger, bigger names in private equity. So um, that posed some challenges there. And then lastly, uh, from a, a practical consideration standpoint, I think Provident focuses a lot on uh, sufficiency. And so uh, unless there's a true need to take this uh, risk uh, and you really need this kind of return that you can't even get investing in public markets, um, it might not be so suitable for the majority of our clients. So from that standpoint, you know, uh, we think it's a very um, interesting asset class and we definitely uh, keep our eye on it. Uh, we do have ways to access some private equity through our EAM platforms that we have on Provident for higher net worth clients. Uh, but we also, you know, keep in mind the implementation and the practical consideration challenges. And so um, right now, you know, we feel that it's not something we'd recommend to every single client at Provident, but we, you know, take it on a case-by-case -case basis for clients that have the, uh, that might really be interested in this asset class. So Chyson, can I say that, um, you know, once we have a discussion with the client and, we, you know, they have high enough net worth and they have interest in this, uh, we are open to, uh, implementing this for them lah. but for most of our clients a uh, simple stock and bond portfolio would suffice uh, yeah I think for most you know people really um, holding a diversified uh, portfolio of stocks and bonds uh, is a very sensible way to uh, start your investing journey and uh, it can definitely help you achieve vast majority of your wealth goals uh, because you know, of course if you look at the returns from public equities uh, over time they have been uh, fairly high over the last uh, I guess 100 years if you look <laughs> at the US data uh, we, we, of course we are open to uh, having further discussions with clients you know around their interest in private equity but uh, as you know Provident does have um, our planning philosophy uh, which is focused around sufficiency you know which we look at the client's need ability and willingness to take risk uh, and uh, if the client truly you know is able to and willing to take that risk uh, definitely is something that we can explore further with the client right okay so thank you so much Tyson so that concludes our episode so to all our listeners I hope you all enjoyed our episode on alternative investments if you like this episode, follow our podcast and follow us on social media for similar contents. As always, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. 
Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any of use of the information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.